0: In a few minutes, a little later on in the message, I'll share with you just a brief uh, uh, time that I had with Pastor Joel as he kind of talked a little bit about his trip into Iraq and uh, what he experienced there. And again, just hearing him speak, it just again reminds me of what God has given us that we do not need to take for granted. We need to thank God daily. And there's a couple of scriptures that I want to read to you just as uh, in emphasizing that again this morning. And the first one is from Psalm 33 verse 12. Uh, the wording that I may give may slightly, be slightly different to what you see on the screen. Uh, it's not the, Dun- the Duncan translation. It's not the Ganga translation. Uh, it's, what, it's the translation I have in front of me. And my translation is correct, all right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the New Living translation. We found that it differed a little bit from what we had at the back there, so hopefully it won't uh, be too problematic for you. But Psalm 30 through 12, verse 12 says this What joy for the nation! Whose God is the Lord. When we set God as our Lord, as individuals, as a nation, the nation experiences joy. Whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. Proverbs 14.33 from the Message Bible says this. And I love the way the Message Bible puts this. He begins out and says this. God devotion makes a country strong. How many of you would agree with me that we need a strong country. We need a nation. Amen. We need a nation that's standing strong in the face of much opposition. And how do we do that? You know, some people say, well the way to have a strong nation is have a great economy. Yeah, that that would be nice. The way to have a strong nation is have a strong arm forces. That would be nice. The way to have a strong nation is have have a a, a people that, that 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 are that are committed to things around about them and to their jobs and that's good too but based upon God's word yet says God devotion being devoted to God being committed to God being sold out to God is what makes a nation strong look at the next verse it says God avoidance leaves people weak God help us as a nation as a people as individuals as homes as a church as a country that we would never be a people that avoid God because it will cause us to be weak. All right, let me ask you a question this morning. What's the most fearful thing that you've ever experienced? What's the thing that you have been the most afraid and most fearful of? In the middle of the night last night, I was asleep in bed, fast asleep, deep sleep, and suddenly, I hear, ah, 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 And I thought, my goodness. And I looked over, and my wife was screaming and crying. And it's not because she turned over and saw me. <laughs> I checked that out first. She was dreaming about something. She, had, she was having a dream. I asked her this morning, Isn't it amazing? My wife remembers everything. She doesn't. She, she remembers not just black and white. She remembers. Gray, she remembers every color. But this morning, when I asked what were you dreaming about, she, I have no idea. I can't remember. I'm not too sure what she was dreaming about, but it was a fearful dream, I think, because it was just by the what came out of her mouth. On Friday, we had an opportunity with our grandsons uh, spending some time shooting off some fireworks as well. It's just part of our celebration. Our little grandson, little redhead grandson, he wasn't too impressed with these fireworks. You know, We started shooting off some of those fireworks and they started making a noise and he grabbed his ears and he went running saying, no, no, too noisy, too noisy. Ran into the house and tried to get away from them. So my wife had the wonderful idea, which I thought was a brilliant idea. She got the two grandsons and she put them in the trunk of our car. You're reacting exactly the way someone reacted yesterday when, I said, when she said that. She said that, and I'm thinking to myself, why are the people looking with shock on their faces? The tru- and then I realized, oh, it was in the Highland. It was a hatchback. It, was, you know, it, wasn't, she was, it wasn't locked away in the trunk. They were able to sit in the back of the car and still look through the window. And the windows were down, and everything was safe and sound. But when the, first, the, the people were looking at it like, and you're a pastor? <laughs> you put your grandson in the trunk of a car? Hmm. Anyway, we put them in the car so they could actually watch the fireworks without hearing the the, the noise. They were afraid. There was some fear there in their their lives. What about fear? What is the most fearful thing you've ever experienced? You know, some people are afraid of the dark. Some people are afraid of high places. Anybody afraid of high places? Yeah. I don't know whether many have come along the highway here or along the road. I think it's Huron Road. And they've just finished painting that big water tower up on Huron Road there. As I drove by yesterday a couple of times, I saw some guys up there in this little... I mean, it looked like a little basket about this big. I'm sure it was a little bit bigger than that. But he was up there painting away. And what is amazing to me, that big water tower, he used a roller? (laughs) I would have bought a spray gun. He used a roller to roll that whole thing. I thought to myself, well, that's efficient, I guess. But you know, you may as well, the job's as hard as they are to come by. You may as well take a long time to finish one job. So you can... <laughs> Where was I with that? Oh, um, oh, the height, yes. High up there. And I thought to myself, man, you know, he better be focused on that roll in the paint because just looking down would have scared the bejeebies out of me. It would have been frightening. So some people are afraid of heights. Some people are afraid of water. I remember one occasion when, uh, as a family, we were going from South Africa back to the United States. My parents were missionaries uh, in South Africa, and we were on our way back to the States, and we were traveling by by ship, by ocean liner, going from South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa, to uh, Southampton in England, and it was about a three-week trip uh, across the ocean in the the liner. And there was a family that was was with us on the ship, and they had a daughter that was about my age, and uh, she was fearful of the water. That's kind of tough when you're on a boat for three weeks and there's nothing but water out there. But she was dead scared of the water. She wouldn't go anywhere near the swimming pool that was on, the, on, 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 the, on board. She, she, she would get up to the rail, but every time she looked out. And so we were asking, why? Why this fear? Why this great fear? Come to find out in one of the other travels across the ocean on one occasion. She had literally fallen overboard into the ocean. And they had circled the ship and found her and pulled her out. And she was safe. She was kind of afraid of water from now on. I don't know whether she ever takes a bath or takes a shower or not, but that would be kind of fearful. What are you afraid of? Maybe you're afraid of a small enclosed area, a little claustrophobic. All right? I know sometimes I get into one of what I call, speaking the right kind of English, what I call a lift. You people call an elevator. All right? When I get into a lift or an elevator, sometimes you're standing in that elevator and there's somebody next to you and then you suddenly they, you're going to realize they're breathing kind of heavily. And you realize they're a, little, they, they're, cla- they're a little claustrophobic in that small space. What are you afraid of? What is it that causes fear? You know, let me get my prop out here. I can remember very clearly with my dad. When I was a young man, and I must admit, I have to. You know, there's a time for honesty, and I guess this is as good a time as any. But if you promise me you won't tell anybody else after you hear this, all right? All right. When I grew up as a young man, there was a season in my life that I wasn't the good little boy that uh, everybody thought I was. And I had a kind of few few years of rebellion there, and I can very clearly remember the fear in my life, and the fear in my heart, and the shaking of the knees when my dad would put his glasses on the end of his nose. And he'd look over the top of them and he'd say, son, oh boy, talk about fear. Everything I'd ever done just dropped out down in front of me and everything I didn't do also came up in front of me. (laughs) Fear. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Talking to Pastor Joel this past week, he just got back from his trip to Iraq. Thank you again, Celebration Church, for the continued support that we can partner with Pastor Joel and many, many people overseas in the lives of reaching out and ministering. Celebration Church reaching across the ocean into the lives of people in Iraq, into the people in, in India, into lives in Africa, into lives in Myanmar, all over the world that we can reach out and share the gospel, the good news, and see lives changed. And he was in Iraq, just got back a couple of weeks ago, and he was sharing with me that how even he felt... Going into Iraq, a certain amount of fear. Fear. And talking to some of the pastors, and we'll uh, in the the not too distant future share with you some updates and some of the video, footage that was taken there. But going into Iraq and talking to some of the pastors that that, that are there, born-again believers, sharing the gospel with threat of their life. In fact, one pastor had been shot, it was either two or three times, on two or three different occasions, just because of the gospel. And yet lived. I mean, the the, the pastor was talking and and, and he'd actually been shot in the back. But it missed his heart, missed his lungs, missed all the vital organs. And he was alive today. Fear. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Well, I want to talk about that kind of fear. Because there's two kinds of fear that we can talk about. Two categories of fear, as it were. Alright? There's a beneficial fear and a harmful fear. And we can become so fearful of things in our lives that it freezes us. Let me stop right now and say this to each one of you. For some of you this morning, even as I'm speaking and preaching and sharing God's word with you, for some of you, the Holy Spirit will be touching your life and saying to you, there's an area in your life of fear that you need to bring to me and lay at my feet. Maybe it's a fear of rejection. Some of you have been rejected and that fear still grips your heart today. It causes you to freeze. Fear of abandonment. Some of you have been abandoned. And that fear is still a part of your life. I want to say to you this morning, church, that Jesus is the answer. He is the one that can come and set you free from that fear. That that fear that holds you. That fear that binds you. That fear that keeps you from moving on and moving ahead. That fear that keeps you locked up. But there is another fear, and that's the fear that's an important fear that brings about like an alarm system, a warning for preparing us that there's danger ahead, not one that paralyzes us. And it's that fear that I want to just share with you for a few moments this morning on. And by the way, in your bulletin, there's, if you open up that bulletin, there's that middle sheet in your bulletin. It's a great place. It's a place purposefully put there for you to take notes. I'm going to throw a lot of scriptures at you this morning and I would just encourage you just to jot the the scripture references down take them home with you have an opportunity today or sometime during the week just kind of look at that scripture again read over that scripture and just ask God God what are you saying to me about this you know Pastor Lathan he spoke to all of us and he was talking to everybody at the Bayside campus but what about what are you saying to me because God's word is practical, it means something, it changes my life and, uh, and then together corporately. So I encourage you to do that. But let's talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about this fear that actually is a fearing of God. Fearing of God, the fear of God. I've been thinking quite a bit about that for some months now and just kind of saying, God, what does it mean to, you know, fear, we want to get do away with all fear. No fear, we don't want to have any fear. And yet there's the fear of God that we need to embrace. And there's a number of reasons. I'm going to suggest a couple of them to you this morning. Some of the reasons why the fear of God is an important thing for us. Let me read a verse of scripture just as we start this this morning. From Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 29. In the NIV it says this. Oh that their hearts would be inclined to fear me. And keep all my commands always. So that it might go well with them. And their children forever. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me. God is saying we need to be we need to fear him. Now we're going to define that fear in just a minute. Help you to try and understand what fear we're talking about. Is it a fear of that I freeze, that I come into God's presence, or I think I'm in God's and I freeze and I'm not able to do anything? No, that's not the kind of fear we're talking about. But the fear that is very valid and very important in our life as we live this life as a born-again believer. These words that I just read out of Deuteronomy are words that were given after God gave Moses and the children of Israel those Ten Commandments. And he said, I want you to know my word. I want you to know my ways. I want you to fear me. You know, the Ten Commandments, some people are saying, well, we don't need them anymore. We push them aside. We don't need those. We don't need to fear God. We don't need to have these commandments in front of us. We love to push out different words in our vocabulary and in our walk with God. Beginning to hate certain words, try to avoid certain words. Words like fear. Words like sacrifice. Pastor Mark last week talking about sacrifice. Sacrifice, there was a lot of sacrifice that was given for, for our country, for our nation. People have sacrificed much. For you and for me, for where we are today. Sacrifice is a good thing. Discipline, it's a good thing. God disciplines those he loves. I loved my, my daughters. There were times when I was disciplining them, they, were, they would have thought dad hated them. But it was out of a heart of love that I would discipline them. Suffering. Suffering. We don't like to suffer. You know? Who would be excited about having to be told that from now on, this week, it's going to be even more suffering? In fact, after the end of the service, like we usually do, we'll invite those that want to come forward to be anointed with oil and prayed for. You know, maybe the appeal would if you would like to come forward to be prayed for that you will suffer more this week, we invite you to come. I don't know how many of you be in front and line, front and center for that. Suffering. The consequences that we have. Let me challenge us this morning. Celebration Church, let us not in our pursuit of grace, in our pursuit of freedom, in our pursuit of God's love, forget that our God is a consuming fire. His word says that in Hebrews 12. It talks about as we worship him with holy fear and awe, he is a devouring, a consuming fire. There is a measure that we as individuals, as families, as a church, as a nation, need to get back to fearing God. Fearing God. God hates sin. I remember talking to somebody this past week in my office, challenging them again, and just saying to them, you know, God hates sin. He loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And if we begin to understand that and embrace that and fully understand what God... What he means when he says he hates sin. Maybe we'd be a little bit less inclined to step out and do things that we know that God hates. He loves the sinner. We need to have a healthy fear of God. Let me give you that definition I talked about a moment ago. Just a quick definition for what the fear of God is. And then we'll talk about a couple of suggested areas that I want to suggest to us this morning that we can apply to our life, that the fear of God will strengthen us and will change our lives, all right? The simple definition of the fear of God. The fear of God is an awesome respect and reverence growing out of the greatness and power of God. It is that awesome respect and reverence growing out of the greatness and power of God. We need a fear of God. We need to be fearful of God. Let me give you a couple of suggested areas that we can experience and show that fear of God, all right? Not the kind that freezes us, not the kind that stops us from doing things, but the kind of fear that will help me to walk in the ways that God purposed and planned for me to walk. The very first one, the fear of God brings salvation. Brings salvation. You know, Maybe you've read some of the biographies of different uh, preachers in, 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 in years gone by. There was a preacher called Jonathan Edwards, who was an old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone preacher. And he preached a sermon that he preached in many different places. And it was called, the title of the sermon was, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now they say that when he would preach, that people sitting in the services would literally almost hang onto the seats in front of them. Because the feeling was, if they didn't, they were going to fall into hell. It was so real as he preached this message. The fear of God. Helping people to understand that the fear of God will cause, bring about salvation. That good fear, the fear of God. There was an evangelist in South Africa that that, uh, used to preach in many different rallies and big groups of uh, people. And his most uh, famous phrase that he would use over and over again. He would talk about, you need to turn or burn you turn or burn Uh, I don't particularly like to burn I think I'll turn it brings us to salvation it brings us to salvation you see we don't often like to hear things like that yes there is a wave of of, of restoration of the fatherhood of God God is a God of love He is a God of love He is a great God he is a merciful God. We see the story of the prodigal and how that father that symbolizes our God the Father waited for the, the, his son to return, that prodigal son, because he was a God of, great, of love and of mercy. But my challenge to us today as a church and as individuals, we need, a, we need the balance too. God is a God of love. But I, Lathan Duncan, needs to have an honest fear of God. No matter what our background is, you know, you may have come from a spiritual background that kind of emphasizes the fact that it's, uh, it's out of good works that you come into a relationship with God. The way to heaven is by being and doing good. Some of you may have, may have experienced the fact that we, there's a second chance as a family and, f- and friends pray for you. There's a second chance for you, even after you've, after you've passed on. But I want to say to us this morning that God will keep us accountable for our actions. The fear of God is involved in our salvation. Don't be deceived. There is a heaven and there is a hell. You you may say, well, boy, that's strange. Pastor Lathan, you're telling us in church that there's a heaven and hell? Doesn't everybody believe that? No. You know, there's such a a move in some modern teaching today to water that down. To actually begin to say that God loves us so much that he would never send anybody to hell, to eternity. That's not what my Bible teaches. Yes, I do serve a God of love. But we will stand before Him in judgment. I don't want to make everybody feel bad this morning. But I'm wanting to challenge us in the fact that the fear of God brings salvation. You know, there's a study that's been out for some time now. That says that in the church, that most Americans today, up to 60%, do not even believe Satan exists. Or that he is... That that he is just a symbol of evil. But that doesn't even exist. Let me read to you a verse of scripture from Hebrews chapter 10. Out of the message Bible. And hear what it says in, in Hebrews 10. Just challenge us again that the fear of God causes us to bring to salvation. The fear of evil. The fear of hell. The fear of being separated from God brings us to salvation. Listen to what Hebrews 10 verse 26 through 31 says. If we give up. And turn our backs on all we've learned, all we've ever been given, all the truth we know. We repudiate Christ's sacrifice and are left on our own to face the judgment. And what a mighty fierce judgment it will be. If the penalty of breaking the law of Moses is physical death, what do you think will happen if you turn on God's Son? Spit on the sacrifice that made you whole and insult this most gracious spirit. This is no light matter. God has warned us, and he'll hold us to account and make us pay. He was quite explicit. Vengeance is mine, and I won't overlook a a thing. And God will judge his people. Nobody's getting by with anything. Believe me. The fear of God will bring us to salvation. And that's a good thing. Experience that fear of God. Let me suggest another one for us this morning that you can take and embrace and hold on to. The fear of God is a command. We are commanded to fear God. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12, it says this. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him. That's what He requires of us. Another one that you can put down on on, on your list there. That the fear of God brings wisdom and knowledge. It comes through Him. Through the fear of God. You know, we pray for wisdom. We pray for knowledge. We pray for God. Show me the way. Direct my path. Give me the wisdom I need day to day, moment by moment, so that I may know what is the right way to walk, the right situation that I'm facing. Give me the wisdom I need. Your word says, ask of God, and he will give you that wisdom. One of the ways I want to suggest to us this morning is just a fear of God will bring about wisdom. God's word, Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, Fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. See, rejecting the fear of God actually will cut ourselves off from a source of wisdom. I want a healthy fear of God, a fear of who God is, a fear of the fact that He is the creator of this universe, He is the sustainer of this universe, He created it, and He will bring it to an end. And I want to be a person that loves God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my being, with everything within me. And having a healthy fear of the way I walk. Making the right choices. Knowing that God is watching over me. Not out of a fear that freezes me. Not out of a a fear that that causes me to, to, to feel like that I'm being bound. But out of a response to God. I want... To honor you. I want to respect you. I want to know that that fear. That there is evil out there. That sin is there. And that having a fear of that, that. Another one suggesting to us as well. That that fear of God keeps us from sinning. Keeps us from sinning. There's a number of others here. And I'm going to just move on to the last one. And then we're going to close. The fear of God results in answered prayer. Psalm 145, verse 19, it says this. He grants the desires of those who fear Him. When you fear God, when you have a healthy, all-respect, honor of God, when you're realizing who God is, that yes, He is my Heavenly Father, yes, He is my Heavenly Daddy, but He's also the Creator of this world, of this universe, and I can fear Him, and that fear causes Him... My desire is to be granted. The fear of Him, if I fear Him, I will have all that I need. Psalm 34, verse 9. The fear of God. A challenge to us this morning. A challenge to us this morning. That God desires for us to fear Him. Challenging in our actions. Challenging in our thoughts. Challenging in the way that we walk. In the way that we respond to Him. God, I want to fear you. I want to be a person that fears you. In every step that I take. Knowing who you are. Knowing what you've done. Knowing how you've created. How you've formed me. How you've made me. And I want to be a man after God's own heart. I'm going to invite the ushers to come as we just prepare for communion this morning. Invite our worship team to come back on stage. And just as we're preparing this morning for communion. Let me ask you today. In a few minutes we're going to pray a very simple prayer and I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer and invite you to repeat the prayer after me. But let me ask you this morning, where do you stand in your relationship with God? Where do you stand in your walk with God? Are you responding to God out of awe and reverence? Or are you just somewhat indifferent to the challenge? Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to serve God. I, you know, there's, there's some good things about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm a good guy. I'm trying. Or you're saying, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need to realize that you're a God, a just God. That you will judge my actions. You will judge who I am. And I want to be a man, a woman, a boy, a girl who has a healthy fear of you. In a few minutes, as we, when we take this opportunity to pray this prayer, the Word of God says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Word of God says, too, that Jesus came and He died on that cross. He shed His blood so that you and I can have forgiveness of that sin. That we can be washed clean. That we can be a people, an individual, as standing before God as though we've never sinned. And what does that take? All it takes is a... By faith, asking, saying, Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Change my heart. Change my life. I believe in you. I believe. I'm no longer able to be the person, no longer the person on the throne of my life, trying to rule my life, do things the way I need to do them, or the way I think they should be done. I'm surrendering my life to you. Would you bow your heads with me? And We're going to just pray this simple prayer, and I want to invite you to pray this prayer and just repeat it after me. And again, if you're praying this prayer for the first time, the truth and the good news of God's word is, as we pray from our heart, in faith, God comes, cleanses you of all unrighteousness, sets you free from sin and death, and you begin a new life. The word of God talks about it being born again. Being born again. So would you repeat these words after me? Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin and by faith ask you to come into my life as my personal Savior and my Lord. Amen.